Hello and welcome. I am your host, Jimmy Leach, of the newly rebranded True North Canadian Football Podcast. Yep. New season, new rebrand. Uh, we changed our name and logo. Just when we were doing the interview series we had, we got some feedback saying it might be a little more beneficial to us if we changed our name because obviously we're not fully affiliated with the CFL or anything like that. So we decided let's just do Canadian football because we cover a lot of draft material anyway, so you might as well just round that out. Um, and yeah, we're back with our usual hosts. Uh, Taylor and Carter, you want to do the honors? Yeah, well, I'm uh, I'm Taylor. Happy to be back. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at TaylorCurrySK. I'm Carter Kennington. You can follow me on Instagram at Carter Kennington. And you can also listen out for me on the radio stations at Portage La Prairie if anybody is listening from over there. And before we introduce our very special guest, which I've been teasing for a little bit now, uh, some new people are going to watch this episode, so let's kind of reintroduce ourselves, just in case there's any new listeners. Um, I'm the host, showrunner and everything. Um, this podcast is, you know, uh, obviously it's a CFL podcast. We cover fantasy, general news, and games around the season, as well as draft coverage when that is necessary. Um, Obviously, especially with the podcast market, it's a market of ideas. And what makes you unique? Like, I always ask that to myself. If I'm a consumer, why should I listen to you? And I would answer that by saying, well, a lot of the CFL podcasts are run by, you know, you either have poor quality podcasts that are run by young people, or you have, like, the older guys who are definitely a lot more clean with it, but the older people have different takes than the young people, right? So we're in the middle. I think our, we're all young here. We're all in our 20s. Um, Carter and I are both university age. Carter is obviously doing broadcasting. I'm business and economics. So oh, I thought I, I was going to say we're dumb, like we're young <laughs> and stupid. So we've got the worst of everything. <laughs> no doubt. And just for, yeah, so we offer that kind of nice middle ground. I think our social media presence, especially on Instagram, if you want to go follow us, True North, I think it's CFL Podcast still on there. Um, yeah, you want to go follow us there? Our social media is absolutely second to none. And without further ado, I want to introduce our special guest. Some of you will know him as a... PSN analyst, and some of you in Saskatchewan will know him as the voice of the Riders. Ladies and gentlemen, Derek Taylor. Hey, fellow kids, how is everybody today? <laughs> how have we, we finessed this? Yeah. 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 Oh, my no God. No doubt. Just as we talk about being young and stuff, but it's cool. DT, DT's awesome. Embraces the new guard. I love it. He's a guy I've looked up to for a long time. So, um, Yeah, we really appreciate you coming on here. Yeah, I'm happy to be with you guys. I, I just love the fact we can talk about Canadian football again because oh, it was oh. a long, dry pandemic. Oh, 100%. Yeah. Out time. As, the create, as one of the creatives here, I, I found it so hard to like make content, record podcasts during this long break because it's like, we barely have any material, you know? Yeah. 
Try doing a two and a half hour radio show every day about sports <laughs> when there were zero sports going on. <laughs> oh man, uh, yeah, that would be a nightmare. Never we get to watch every other league figure out a way to keep on keeping on, and then CFL just shuts the doors, and it's like, great, yeah, okay, see you next year, hopefully. And then, just so people know, in case they don't know, DT, where can people find you? So I am on Twitter and Instagram at DT on SC and then two and a half hours a day. You can hear me on the radio at 620 CKRM in Regina online at 620 CKRM.com or in podcast form for all the, all the, I don't know. I assume, I assume podcasts are like a middle-aged person thing because we're tired of listening to tunes, uh, all that hip hop music on the radio. <laughs> no, there's a lot, there's a lot of like, you know, young adults, teenagers who listen to podcasts. Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. Like, um, two ones that I'm familiar with. These are more internet based ones are Logan. Paul has a podcast called impulsive, which is really good. <laughs> oh, come on. Okay. Taylor. Fair enough. <laughs> fair Logan enough. Paul, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then there's another one called mom's basement, which is like internet culture stuff that I like to listen to. And I'm sure Carter, you probably have a couple as well. Uh, I actually like listening to Impulsive as well, to be honest. Yeah, like, I didn't think I would like it because it's like I'm not the biggest Logan Paul fan, but it's actually kind of it's cool to listen to sometimes. But yeah, there's a lot of young people doing podcasts now, which is awesome. I love it. There's more young people getting involved with the CFL podcast game. I love that, too. You know, so it's nice to see more people getting into this space and Hopefully we can help them and they can help us, you know, and personally, I love listening to the sports cage on Spotify. That's where I tend to listen to it. I always just listen to it while I'm working. It's great. Listen there. And then, that's awesome. I, I, I love knowing people are listening. That's great. Oh, yeah. A hundred percent. Like, I love on demand stuff because it, it is hard. Sometimes you miss stuff on the radio because it's like you'll you'll be late or something or whatever and it's like oh i missed like the first 10 minutes you know and then there's this in joke that you missed it's like oh no but then if it's just on spotify and you listen to it later it's like oh i got everything i got all the context this is awesome so yeah yeah i, lo I love doing that and let's get into the news here so our first big story was the six achilles injuries in one day like that was pretty wild. Yeah. Four of those were on the riders, man. That was... I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Well... Yeah, that was nuts. Like, I just... Uh, I don't get... I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a coach, but I don't understand how they went through four people and, like, it seemed like simultaneously happening to them. It just... It, it, it confuses me, but, yeah, what a day in the CFL. That was, that was rough to watch. It was all during the same drill, too, wasn't it, DT, with uh, the rider injuries? Yeah, so it was four guys in a six-minute span all kind of doing the same drill. And then that same day, there were two guys from Montreal. And then since then, there was, what, uh, Mercy um, Mastin in Winnipeg. Yep, in Winnipeg. Uh, uh, Calgary, Charlie Power. And then just this past Saturday, uh, Tim Williams, defensive end from the riders, did his as well, just in a, a basically like a walkthrough 60% drill. So we're up to nine overall that's, in the Canadian Football League, which is an incredible number. That's like nine in what? We're at day 12 or 13 of training camp as of recording? 
Uh, so they started on the Saturday. So Saturday was 15, 16, 17, 18, plus two days before. Yeah, so in the span of three weeks, there's been nine. That's wild. Wow. That yeah. is wild. So yeah, that's... Hopefully this isn't a continuing pattern throughout the season. It's just like conditioning and getting guys into shape. And once they're in shape, this kind of sorts itself out just for, again, our sakes and the players' sakes, obviously, because do you imagine if you're like an American rookie coming up here to play and then you tear your Achilles, you know, football's a business. They're not going to be waiting around for you, right? Unless you're Shaq Evans or like Brandon Banks. Yeah, exactly. So let's jump to this. I feel like we're going to have mixed feelings on this because I am an outlier on this topic. Uh, XFL talks are finished. How do you guys feel about that? Let's start with DT. I, I always thought they were quite serious. I, I, I always thought, okay, well, there's, there's, there's meat on this bone because too many interesting things happened along the way that made you think, okay, these are... These are for real. Now, I mean, now they're gone, fine. Uh, will they ever start up again? Who knows, but they say they're concluded for now. Uh, my takeaway ultimately is, okay, well, how's the CFL going to fix its financial problems? Because even though it's there's no talking to the, C to the XFL, pardon me, uh, all those financial problems and $7 million losses, those are still around. All those problems they had with you know, revenue, where the riders didn't make money in 2019 before the pandemic, those are still around. So, so what's their solution for those is, is the thing that just kind of, it's been pushed to the background, but still lingers with me. That that's a good, I mean, many great points. That's, that's kind of what I was thinking. And that's, I was hoping with some XFL talks, it, it's fine that they're done and we're not merging as they were saying, but I, I was just hoping that they could promote our league for a while if they're not playing this year and hopefully get some more Americans coming up here or paying to watch our game, something like that, to try to get money in our pockets. Yeah, uh, leading on to uh, decide, like, yeah, no, of course, I don't think any of us want to see a merger between the XFL and the CFL, mm -hmm. but maybe if they would do, or if they were to do, excuse me, a show match sort of towards the end of their seasons, if, they're, uh, if they line up, because, like, maybe that's something that they're talking about. Who knows? But, yeah, it all comes down to... CFL can't handle money very well and they need to fix it. And I think that was a big part of the XFL talks. And now that it's gone, I'm a little worried. Same here. For me, I look at it as this was a really good business opportunity. Uh, a lot of people threw the word merger around early and often, whereas a lot of the official statements said it was just a collaboration. You look at guys like... Dave Naylor, Farhan Lulji, most of what they were saying was collaboration. And I was like, okay, I'm open to collaborating with the XFL. You know, uh, I would have liked to have seen like a home and home between the two leagues. And that way you do get that cross promotion with American viewing audiences. And if they like what they see, which I mean, when I have shown Americans who have never seen the CFL whatsoever, the CFL game, they love it. So if you could get those American eyes on the CFL somehow, you know, they might be like, hey, this this is good football. You know, this is different enough from the NFL that I'd be willing to watch this in spring, you know? And I have a 
Uh, oh, sorry for uh, sorry for interrupting. It's I okay, have, go uh, for it. I have a quick question for all you guys. Uh, so I, I did bring up the show match, something that I wanted to sort of touch on for all you guys. Um, if that happened, would that be, would you want it to be champion versus champion or no? Oh, yeah. Best of the best versus best of the best. Here, like, mm. yeah, I'll let everyone answer before I put in my opinion on it. I, I kind of agree. I think best on best would probably make the most sense. I think that probably would make the most sense. It's just that the seasons don't really align, right? So it's like when a Canadian soccer team plays a Mexican soccer team, it's like, well, okay, well, you run two different leagues, right? You have two different mm -hmm. times. So uh, the, the closing season in Mexico coincides with the opening of the MLS season. So you only get so much of a true test. It doesn't really show us much of anything, but as far, as a, as, far as a crossover, that would be the one to do because – all-Star versus All-Star sounds horrific. Yeah. And That's fair. Yeah, I, sure. I was thinking just sort of like, I don't know. I would rather have I would rather have the teams that lost in the championships play each other because I think it devalues oh. the I think it devalues the championships on both ends. Because That's definitely then fair. all of a sudden, then all of a sudden the XFL championship, I don't know if there's a name for it, and then the Grey Cup as well become the semifinal games. It's yeah. not what you're looking to win because it's not the last game. For me, I would have liked to do like a preseason home and home just because, that yeah, be cool. I didn't I didn't want to cheapen the Grey Cup or their trophy by having like a, a game after that. Right. Because it's like, oh, yeah, Grey Cup. Cool. Winner plays some American team, whatever. You know, it's like, no, that's not what the Grey Cup is and what it should be. It could be what you strive towards. So for me, yeah, preseason made the most sense. And I'm just going to finish my point real quick. I talked about getting more American eyes on the game and that could leverage a better contract uh, for the CFL with ESPN. So they, they're looking for more revenue. We talked about the financial issues. If you can leverage that deal to bring in more money, then, you know, that would be a huge help. I'd like to add something, though, just before we change topics here. I had a thought. What happens, like, you know how people complain there's no CFL, like, All-Star game? Yeah. And, I, again, I'm not going back to that. But what if you did, like, an All-Star week where it was, like, a competition where they did the stuff during they do kind of, like, the same thing they do during the NFL week? And then at the end, you could even just have, like, a flag football game for bragging rights. But it's, like, a whole... You know, you're going through obstacles and sports and different things the whole week, and then it's bragging rights at the end. Just like you said, so it doesn't take away from anyone's trophies. That'd be cool, CFL skill on skill. What do you guys think of that? Well, like... Uh, oh, just like the... Um, are you thinking like Pro Bowl week, where it's like yeah, all those sorry, little mini games? Yeah, I think exactly. that could be fun. I think that could be fun. Let the players' personalities shine through a little bit more, which is always nice. Yep, exactly. And we don't have that right now. Like, we had the CFL week for, like, two years, and then they axed it because of COVID and things. And yeah. Yeah, you don't that have that That was a great idea. With, yeah, oh, that Like, was Jeffrey so Orridge was not the best commissioner, but that was a great idea he had. Yeah, mm -hmm. and that thing's got to be coming back uh, eventually. The, oh, yeah. The... The thing with an all like an all star or battle of the network stars, whatever you want to say, with the skills competition, you need to pay the guys money. So where you got to find the money and where that's going to come from in all that. And I think it'd be it'd be neat because these guys are just ridiculous athletes, ridiculous. So uh, it would be good. But yeah, they're a place to put it on TV. But how you, how, how are you going to make it worth the guys' while when uh, they got jobs and families to take care of? 
That's very true. That's a hundred percent. You'd always... have to get sponsorship money involved for that. Like you'd have to name it something. Mm-hmm. Like I don't know, the Brick All Star Weekend or something like that. You know, of course. <laughs> Safeway presents the Bricks All Star Weekend. There you go. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. <laughs> Shoehorn as many brands in there as you can. The Ford yeah. Chevrolet Ford. Tesla uh, All Star Weekend. I don't know. <laughs> What's the uh... They always show a couple, like, they always show a lot of the same ads during the CFL games. What is it, like, Riffle Chips? Shop like a mother. That was a meme yeah. in our group chat. Yep. GMC Sierras, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, I, I hope they get a bit more variety there. Um, one thing I remember we talked about, uh, we talked about marketing players better. Like, Carter, you play a lot of Call of Duty with some CFLers, man. You want to talk about that a little bit? Um... Well, I know Juwan Breskison has been talking about. Um, well, he did it in the past. He did a uh, he did a CFL Warzone competition. Oh, was, like, seriously? The yeah, the rules of it was uh, there needed to be at least one. Um, it was going to be kind of like show matchy kind of thing, oh. where you had to have at least one CFL guy in it. Um, myself, Jackson Jeffcoat, and Marcus Sales were going to be a team, um, but that fell through. We didn't end up participating. We did not have the time for it. Oh, but man. um things like that just put it on twitch and just any way that players can get more you talk about um, marketing to the youth that would be perfect like if the cfl put like some effort into marketing that i would have watched that a hundred percent you know i mean that was that was just yeah but that was really just uh juan brescus and wanting to do something fun like that you, there's a lot of channels you got to go through to turn that into something oh true but like true. i i love that idea of like having like tournaments with these guys because again we talk about like a lot of these guys have personality but it's like don't they don't show it right so yeah it's just a good idea in my opinion to do more stuff like that to get younger people in that internet crowd involved so let's jump to our next story canadians rejoice as nathan rourke wins the backup job over will art so Let's hype up Nathan Rourke for a bit here. That is the best. Oh. That is the best thing that I have heard in so long. Yeah. Yep. I, I'm going to be the Debbie Downer in this whole thing, so you guys go first because I'm going to be the Debbie. Downer. Oh, all right, you guys go. Okay. Well, uh. You know, I haven't, I, like, I, I, you know, Mike, but I'm not a big uh, college guy. I haven't watched a lot of college, but, oh, he's won, he's won a couple trophies. I, I mean, you're behind Mike Riley. It's, he's not going to see the light of day unless Mike gets destroyed. And, uh, yeah, I don't know. That's, it's a tough job to fill. And I, I just feel like it's a rotation. I, I didn't mind Will Art there, and he would have been second or third year there. So I, I don't know why they wouldn't have kept him and then Rourke or something, but that's just me. I mean, yeah, you're behind, like, I, people need to remember that Michael Riley, who wants us to call him Michael Riley now, Michael, is one of, no, scratch that, he is the best quarterback in the CFL most years. Ooh, good take. So, and, and that's the guy that you're behind. So, he, I, I just looked on Three Down Nation. He has a new goal to start a game in 2021. Unless something horrific happens, that's not going to happen. Or their season is done earlier, and they'll play him in like the 14th game. 
Yeah. <laughs> All right, DT, you say you're going to be a Debra, uh, Debbie Downer. Let's do this. This is my thing, and I, I love the Nathan Rourke story, and I love let's get Canadians playing quarterback in the Canadian Football League. Uh, is Nathan Rourke the guy, though, or is he Jordan Lynch redux? Oh. When you look at his – Right. Right. When you look at his numbers from Ohio, you, you go, okay, I need to know why you completed less than 60% of your passes in college football in a non-Power 5 conference. Under 60% might have been okay in 2005, but this is now a 70% passing you know, completion yeah. league. Yeah. So what's going to happen here? There's no question the guy, the, the, he's going to be able to run the ball. And I'm afraid that in the way that we fall in love with Canadian quarterbacks, and you add that to the way we fall in love with running quarterbacks, shout out Rakeem Cato, wherever you might be. <laughs> uh, I'm afraid that the hype on Nathan Rourke is going to be greatly outsized to how he plays. Uh, I, I hope he's awesome, but I'm really concerned. Uh, completion stat isn't everything, but under 60% in college really gives me a lot of pause. It's a fair statement. I would say it was a system issue in Ohio. Um, I guess his arm got much better uh, coming into camp, so that's always a good sign you want to... Because he was regarded as like, okay, he's really mobile, strong dude, but doesn't have the greatest arm. And if he comes into camp with that arm strength, I think that's a huge step forward for him. He's going to have time to learn under Michael Riley and develop and. For me, they are fairly similar quarterbacks, especially starting off their careers as, you know, very mobile, physical players uh, at that position. They both kind of have that hallmark. So don't make me fight you. Don't make me fight you on this one. All right. All right. We can go there. We can go there. But for me, um, I just, I don't know. I think with Mike Riley, I think he's a great person for Nathan Rourke to learn from. And if he is going to develop into, you know, the first like regular Canadian starter, I think that's the perfect spot for him. And if he doesn't pan out, just a heads up, there was a four star Canadian recruited quarterback who is going to Penn State who can definitely pass the ball for sure. All right. Now, DT, you were saying what? Let's do this. Hey, don't, I was going to say, don't make me fight you. Uh, what? What does Mike Riley, gosh, I'm trying to think of every quarterback in the CFL. What does Mike Riley do better than every quarterback in the CFL right now? It's, I mean, toughness is certainly on there. But Riley is relentlessly accurate with the football. And he doesn't get a lot of love for that because he's tough and he used to run the ball really well. And he's the, he's the best leader and he does have a big arm. But Riley is relentlessly accurate. Like in... In the charting that I've done, uh, the, the most accurate quarterback is, it will not surprise you, Ricky Ray. But Mike Riley is right is behind him. He's number two behind him. Uh, you cannot, you just can't survive in football if you're not an accurate passer. And what was, I'm trying to find out what was Riley last season, even in an atrocious uh, BC offense, he was still, okay, so he's always around that 68, 69% mark. Yeah. He was... 69.5% completion last year, averaging 10 yards downfield per attempt. Those are fantastic numbers. So 
while the running may be similar, it's a real high bar to say that that he throws the ball like Riley because Riley is phenomenal. For sure. I don't think he's there yet, but I think it will come with time. And he's young. He'll get there, I think. It's just a matter of him working on that arm. And if reports out of BC or B to, uh, to be believed, he has put in some work on that arm. And if he can sit and develop from a guy like Mike Riley, for a couple years, I think that'll be beneficial. I don't think he's going to be taking his job or anything, you know, but when Mike Riley is ready to hang it up in however many years, you know, Nathan Rourke might be there by that point because if his arm strength is significantly better, you know, that accuracy can come with age. We've seen that before. So I think it might with Rourke. And even if it doesn't, I think he's probably just a Chris Strebler type. At worst, you know, maybe a little bit better of passing a struggler, but yeah, <laughs> that's a hard mark to pass. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's not exactly a low bar, but I mean, or a high bar to clear. But for me, um, yeah, I think you know, it, his floor is all right for me to take that risk, and from a for him to be behind a guy like Mike Riley who will be willing to teach him and work with him. You know, I just I love that situation for him, and I'm leaning towards him turning out more than not. So let's jump into our last piece of big news. Um, the trade for Alden Darby. Uh, or wait, no, we haven't gotten to our notable cuts. We we skipped that. Sorry. Um, notable cuts include Rodney Smith, who recently went back to Toronto. Kenny Stafford because of a quote-unquote culture fit, Naaman Roosevelt, and Kevin Brown. So which of those do you guys want to talk about? Uh, sorry, uh, I was confused by the Kenny Stafford one. They brought him in and then let him go right away. I just kind of thought with their history, they'd know what they were getting, but uh, it doesn't seem like it was that way. Well, apparently Trevor Harris uh, played a big role in getting Kenny Stafford signed to begin with. Yeah. Well, that's so, interesting. Yeah, who knows? Maybe they were just like... It's, the situation reminds me, obviously not to the same level as what I'm about to say was, but it kind of reminds me of the Tom Brady-Antonio Brown situation. Where it's uh, just... Where he preached you know, him to come in. Yeah. Yeah. And unfortunately, didn't work out. Hmm. But maybe something like that. Maybe there's just a lot of stuff happening behind the scenes with this, which yeah. is a shame that most of CFL talks end with that. Yeah. Kenny's a different dude. Like just from getting to know him just a little bit over the season in 19, Kenny's a different dude. Like there, I was on the sidelines for a practice and we were watching and then uh, I, Kenny Stafford was waving at me for about two and a half minutes trying to get my attention during stretch. <laughs> and I'm like, what's, is he waving at me? What's happening here? He can't be waving at me. I'm just going to ignore this. And he kept waving. And I'm like, oh, so Kenny's waving at me. And then after, like, hey, I was waving at you. What, what are you doing? I'm like, you're a, you're a different kind of guy. Saskatchewan, uh, <laughs> he, was, he was a great teammate. I'll never forget the West final where it was in doubt whether Shaq Evans could play because he he'd injured his toe and he was doing some, some drills before the West final. And Stafford, who would have made his first appearance for the Riders, if Shaq couldn't go, was there rooting him along? And when Shaq could go, Kenny patted him on the butt and was like, yeah, way to go, man. Let's go. He seemed like a good teammate, but I, 
If you told me uh, that some people didn't know how to take Kenny, I could I could believe that entirely. And they are not hurting for receiving talent in Edmonton. So yep. that you lose a guy who has been a real good deep threat in previous seasons, Edmonton will be Edmonton will be fine with that. And I would be, if it was a culture thing, I'd be way more worried about my culture than than losing the guy who was going to be fourth to Ellingson Walker and Armonte Edwards. That's fair. I just feel they did him a little dirty by saying culture fit, because imagine if, you know, Carter, I, I called one of your references for a job, and one of them said, he did great work and all, but he wasn't a culture fit. You know, as a boss, or I guess as a potential employer, how are you going to take that? Because some people might be, oh, that means he's a jerk. Or maybe he was a little introverted and just didn't jive with everybody, you know? I just, I just feel like the way it was worded, they kind of did him a little dirty. How about you guys? Yeah. yeah like Alessandro getting revenge on the, for how the Red Blacks did him dirty? Maybe. Well, oh! Yeah, so. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But, <laughs> oh yeah, by the way, Jamie Elizondo quit on us was the was one of the top press releases of my oh. CFL time. Uh, I I don't even why bother saying that. I guess the media would be asking, but why why say that? Because for exactly the reason that you said there is, people now we all want to know. Okay, what was the deal? And we want to press to find out what was the deal. Yeah, because from your anecdote there, you know. If he's just a little different, like, that's okay. You know, uh, another example, I think Luke Mullinder brought it up on your show. Uh, Luchas Purifoy was, quote-unquote, not a culture fit in Ottawa, but he's been great ever since he got here. You know, he's probably one of our best corners. You never hear about him causing drama or anything. Just seems like a good dude, and I feel that way about Kenny Stafford. Like, I haven't heard of him doing anything where it's like, okay, this guy's a jerk. You know, like, I don't think that way about Stafford, and it's just like, I, I hate to see his character coming into doubt because of what was said, because it's like, again, now everybody's going to wonder, it's like, okay, does this guy have problems, and that may impact his career, you never know. And then, uh, Naaman Roosevelt and Kevin Brown, Kevin Brown, I think he was another Edmonton cut, um, Definitely a decent linebacker, so I do. I seen. Oh yeah. Sorry, I seen uh, Derek Dennis was tweeting out today that the Calgary Stampeders should sign Naaman Roosevelt. Oh yeah. I bet there's a oh, bunch I... of teams that are going to be in a bidding war for him because I feel like Ottawa needs to throw him and Kenny Stafford a bag. Well, that'd be. I think like I don't think Derek was wrong. Like uh, he'd be a good like good guy in Ottawa, like a good veteran guy because they have a lot of young receivers. Like good mm -hmm. couple of, you know three-year receivers there and because they got rid of who rogers and they might have a couple guys but yeah it's it's a yeah. pretty young core he'd be Rhymes a good guy is gone. To lean on you know your number one receiver's gone oh. you got rj harris who you know i like rj harris as a number two number three receiver brad sinopoli also retired so your canadian depth is a bit scary uh for me it's just like I would love to have a name in Kenny or both if they could afford to do it. Yeah. Yeah, I think Calgary and Ottawa are probably the places I would think Naaman might fit. He doesn't 
BC, that spot's occupied, and they could probably yeah. go three Canadians. Edmonton is fine. Winnipeg, I don't see it. Not coming back to Saskatchewan. Hamilton already has probably the second best receiving core <laughs> in the league. Ottawa needs talent all over the place, so they should just whatever they can throw at Naaman is the way to go. Toronto's fine. <laughs> Montreal obviously just cut them. So that kind of leaves for me Calgary and Ottawa. And yeah. Calgary has some people who have played Canadian football before, but they are not overwhelmed with talent in their receiving core after Kate Ambles, Mayala, and Kamar Jordan, if Kamar's back 100%. Great, but is should Josh Huff keep me from putting a very reliable second down receiver in Naaman Roosevelt on the field? I wouldn't think so. So those are two I would like to see give him a look. A hundred percent, because I feel like Matt Nichols is going to be under all kinds of hellfire pressure just because basically Ottawa, most of Ottawa's starting offensive line retired, so or they left. So it's just like, oh man, you know, you, you want a sticky-handed guy like uh, Naaman around for that. Mm-hmm. And then let's jump into our next set of news. Let's talk about the Alden Darby trade, and I know, Carter, you had a bit of insight on that. Um, well, I just know what's been going on. Unfortunately, the training camps in Winnipeg, they've been, I believe they still are closed, especially right now with, uh, with the air quality, they actually had to cancel practice a couple days ago, but Mercy Maston, one of the people who got the Achilles injury or the Achilles bug, whatever. Uh, so trade to Toronto for Alden Darby. And I personally, I really like it. I, I think it's a really good trade. I went back, looked at some of uh looked at some of Darby's stuff. Uh I think he's gonna be a good culture fit, wink wink, but um <laughs> but no, yeah, I like the trade. You're saying oh, Taylor? I, I was just gonna say, yeah, I'm excited to to see him on Labor Day with the atmosphere in Regina come play here. That's gonna be that's gonna be good. Because no no offense to you, Winnipeg fans and you, Carter, but I don't think you guys have the best deed the the best dbs so adding him is really good and i think that'll it could make it a really entertaining game oh our 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 secondary got destroyed through covid sure well and free agency because you had a and the nfl i guess because sales and rose both left yeah yeah sales ended up back in bc was was darby one of the guys who clonged into the other dude for kyron moore's 98 yard touchdown Please tell me that was the case. I'm trying to pull up the tape to see that because that'd be amazing. Potentially, I think it might have been. Yeah, because a lot of those Argos DBs were missing tackles. So, and he is on that side of the field. So, it could have been him. Uh, I don't have the tape, but yeah, it very likely could have been him. And then, yeah, but I do like that trade with Mercy Matson going out. Uh, I think it makes sense for them to go quickly replace a guy like that with a veteran who's been around the league to keep that defense sound so do we want to jump into our standing predictions let's do it sure yeah sure Uh, all right i'm i'm currently watching the uh i'm currently watching the touchdown trying to figure out it's not great quality so i can't see the numbers (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's one thing a nice thing about cfls there's a lot of stuff on youtube for them like there's full games on youtube that you can I don't know if that's a good thing, dude. <laughs> I mean, there's no other professional league that they have their full games on oh. YouTube, but I mean, it is cool because oh, it's like oh, 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 like the games in 40. I thought you just meant like other people posting. Oh games. no, like there's there's like full game. If you go and look, you'll find full <laughs> games on YouTube, and it's like I was watching some of that when I was really missing the league. But it's there, like there, 
there also is full gray cups i think on on youtube there used to be at least by random people not the cfl yeah the cfl should do that and just be like hey make a playlist of the season put ads on it and then people can just watch it but uh yeah let's jump into our standings here i'll go first uh so this is for the end of the season what we think the standings are going to look like for me, I have the Riders being first in the West. Uh, I made this prediction before our O-line had some serious depletions with Labat Retiring and uh, Cyrus Kawanjo uh, also retiring. Um, oh yeah, I misphrased that. Labat is going to be done for this year. He'll come back next year, maybe later this year if restrictions loosen. But for the Riders, I feel a little bit more shaky about this pick than I did a little while ago, but I still like it. Winnipeg, I feel, is right there with them. I just, I've made it clear on this podcast for I have zero faith in Zach Kolaros. Um, sorry, DT. I know, I know he's your guy. You're on Kolaros Island, but that's just, that's my take there on Zach Kolaros. The governor of Kalaris Island is very disappointed in that statement. I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and then Edmonton. Also, I, oh yeah, go for it, Carter. Sorry to interrupt. I just I was able to find a good quality clip of the uh, of the touchdown, and I can't. Alden Darby was the safety. He, uh, he was one of them. Yeah. Oh my god. And Darby and Kadarius Ford <laughs> blam into each other, and hey, Kyron Moore, 98 yards. Yeah, longest it. touchdown right. since 2002 for the Riders. Right. That's sick. Great play. And Great that, play. I Great have, play from Toronto. Yeah, no <laughs> doubt Toronto. That's just that, that defense, man. But for me, I have Edmonton being third, and some people are going to be surprised by that. I just look at them, and the teams behind them, I just I think their offense is, you know, the best of the rest, if not second, and that defense is certainly the best of the rest. When I look at those other two defenses, they have very notable holes, whereas Edmonton, there isn't really the holes that I see with the other ones. Like, their secondary is excellent. Their front seven are good. Their defensive line is one of the best in the league with ratio breaker Kwaku Botang and... I've been saying this for since Betts got drafted, but probably Betts or another Canadian defensive end on that other side. I think you, you see that this year. I don't know when the last time we had two Canadian defensive ends start consistently for a team, but I think that'll happen. And then Calgary, uh, I just think they lost too many pieces, so I have them at third. Um, or fourth, sorry. And then last in the West, I have BC. EC could be a dark horse. I could be totally wrong on this because that offense uh, with what they added with Dominic Rimes and that excellent receiving core and Riker Matthews on that offensive line. They look good. Like that offense looks great. Uh, the defense for me is the biggest question mark there. In the East, Hamilton's obviously first. Uh, they're just too good not to be. Montreal is second. I just. I really like Vernon Adams. Uh, he's got that it factor that you just can't teach. And that team is just so fun to watch. Uh, Toronto got better, but I still feel like they have maybe a season or two before they catch Montreal. And then, as I mentioned, Toronto third. 
those new additions will help, but I don't think they'll get them past Montreal. Ottawa, my prediction of them having two wins is looking better and better. So <laughs> I, I, I'm sticking with them last in the East and last in the league. Now, on to Taylor's selections. Yeah, uh, so I just, I don't doubt Calgary. I think somehow they're still going to pull it off. I like, I remember last year when we talked before the season, like last season, that I said that like we all kind of thought that they were going to fall off. They didn't. I mean, they didn't win the Great Cup, but they still performed. So I think they'll do well again. And then I just got Sask and Edmonton and Winnipeg. I think it's going to be a toss-up between the three. NBC will be at the bottom of, again because they have no protection for Mike Riley. He'll be able to throw the ball, but they don't have defense either. Sorry. And uh, in the East, I have Hamilton, Montreal, Toronto, and Ottawa. Uh, I think it'll be there'll be a pretty big gap between Hamilton and Montreal. And uh, Toronto and Montreal could fight for that second or third spot, but it's going to depend if Toronto's pieces actually click. And then Ottawa is just going to be at the bottom of the barrel again. They got. No offense to them, but I don't see nothing happening for them for a couple more years. So that is my take. Um, for me, I'm going uh, for Winnipeg and Sask. I've got it on our little document here saying that I'll decide when we record. And what I've been thinking is just, I think whoever gets luckier with injuries, really, I think that's the team that finishes first. I think well, whichever team is what you're saying there. Man, five Achilles. Oh. Wondering who's luckier with injuries. Five Achilles already, Carter. <laughs> well, I don't know. The Bombers are kind of known for having, uh, like, it's weird. We get off super hot to start, and then injury bug always gets us. Like, Jackson Jeffcoat's been gone for, like, the latter half of the season for multiple years. Uh, we always seem to lose, uh, like, our starter get, like, our starting quarterback gets hurt for a little bit. I mean, he got. Nichols was out for the season. Luckily, it turned into Caleros, but like for a while there, it was stressful. So, yeah, who? It's it's closer than you than I uh, than I'd like to admit as a bomber fan. But yeah, that's what I think decides that. Um, in third, I actually really like BC this year. I I remember the offensive line getting really uh, well, not really, but a lot better after uh, like towards the last three weeks of the season. It's kind of like they flipped the switch. I if they can continue that, I think they'll be good. Um, I think Calgary has just yeah, I think they've lost too much. I so I'm putting them in dead last. Fourth, like I'm I'm screwing up my order here, but fourth is going to be Edmonton. Fifth is Calgary. Um, yeah, that's. That's how I feel personally. I'm not high on the on the uh, on the Edmonton Elks name or team right now, but that's <laughs> me. Um, in the East, obviously Hamilton first. I've got Montreal second. Um, this might be my Homer showing. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I like Lapalise and Nichols and the fact that they were able to stick together in Ottawa. So I think they'll have a actually a surprising amount of offensive spark. So I'm saying that. Good luck with that, that receiving core. That's a hot take. Well, you got a couple guys there. Two. We welcome least, hot think, takes right? on this podcast, so that um, is fine. So I I like that. Um, I think Toronto is the team that's going to need a year to put all the pieces together. Oh, that wow. is definitely <laughs> interesting. Uh, Derek, has way let's more go with talent yours. than Ottawa. Like Carter, what what do you see in Ottawa? Because Toronto to me has way more talent position per per position than Ottawa. What do you see from the Red Blacks? For the Red Blacks, I just see um I see P 
Peterman as somebody who could really develop into a solid number two, even a number one. I really liked him when he was in Winnipeg. I think having like Matt Nichols is consistently slept on. I will say Ottawa's defense could let them down, but I think that there was a winning culture established in some of those players, and I think they'll be able to bring that over. Okay. I mean, yeah, it definitely, like, you could flip these on a dime, uh, kind of how I feel with Winnipeg and Saps, but at the bottom of the league. But personally, I think uh, I think Ottawa squeaks it out. All right, Derek, let's hit your picks. All right. Uh, Edmonton wins the West. Uh, Edmonton, like that roster, might be weak at middle linebacker. And I, I hope they don't go two Canadians at defensive end just for the sake of, I think that, I don't know how you how you manage that with depth, but receivers, offensive line is fine. Uh, running backs, I don't care about, but James Wilder is, is good. Trevor Harris, great. Defensive backfield, awesome with street free agents like Jonathan Rose, Jonathan Mincy, and then, oh, by the way, Aaron Grimes is back. I think Edmonton, top to bottom, I mean, has the best roster in the West. Uh, Winnipeg is number two. That's predicated on Zach Caleros being healthy. Saskatchewan is three. I hope they can hold on, but these injuries are piling up in some terrible spots. BC and Calgary, to me, were super close for four or five. But as I go through BC's roster, I just see fewer areas of concern than I do with Calgary. So, yeah, I'm with Carter that Calgary uh, finishes last in the West. Uh, East, Hamilton is the best team in the CFL. No-brainer. Toronto, for me, is number two. And it's Toronto add a lot of talent. But uh, I think think Vernon Adams is in for a major, major fall this season. To me, Mm -hmm. there were too many things that he did that were unsustainably good that are going to come back and get him uh, at some point. Um, interceptions dropped by defenders. He had less than 60% of his interceptable passes picked off, which is a number that's you're going to come back and all of a sudden you've thrown 25 picks in an 18-game season. Uh, his performance under pressure was outsized to what you can expect long-term, so that's going to be a problem. And uh, what was the third one? Uh, he's just... He does a lot of things that make me think he got lucky in 2019, and he's even with an improved receiving core. To me, Vernon Adams is not going to get lucky again. Oh, his deep ball. He was the number two rated deep ball passer in the league. That's going to regress just because that's a stat that doesn't carry forward year over year. So when that goes wrong, and oh, by the way, Montreal starts with Edmonton, the bye, then Edmonton and at Calgary, and then versus Hamilton. So what happens to the Alouettes when they start the season 0-3? Because that's a brutal schedule to start with. Uh, to me, they are number three. They're still a mile ahead of Ottawa. I just don't – I think Lapolice is a great scheme guy. I think he got $2 worth of value for every dollar they paid Matt Nichols. What's he as a head coach? We don't really know. And they just – they are – they don't have the talent. They're the ninth most talented roster. So I don't – think that I wouldn't give Paul Lapolice the credit that I might give Dave Dickinson in able to turn lemons into lemonade. Let's say that. <laughs> That's fair. For me, I, I'm polar opposites with you on Vernon Adams. We have to we might have to make another friendly bet like we did with the fantasy league, which I don't know. I think you still owe me that blizzard, but why do, why do you like Vernon Adams? What do you see in Adams that you like? 
Uh, just from when when he came into the league, uh, when Montreal was still searching for that successor to Calvillo, he just had that it factor. Like when he was on the field, it was just it's like when you see Mike Riley or Bo, they just have that it factor. Cody has it too. It's just it's something you can't teach. It's intangible. I think he's a good leader and. When things aren't going well, like you mentioned, through the air, uh, I think he's got the legs to be able to, okay, I'm going to be a mobile quarterback now, you know, and he's got stand back there too. So if he does regress as a quarterback, okay, let, let's give the ball a bit more to William Standback. I don't think anyone's going to be complaining about that too much. You know what I mean? So yeah. He's just what part of the if factor is throwing it to the opposition though. That's the problem <laughs> I have with him. He throws the ball to the opposition. That's and a, that is part of the it factor is that one. That that is there, not part of the it factor, but I mean okay. in fairness, that was his first year uh as a full time starter. So Cody I feel first year. Oh true, true. Derek Taylor was like, I'm gonna go on these guys' podcast and murder <laughs> a quarterback. It's okay. No. You and I, me I, have I, different I, quarterback takes all the time, and that's totally fair. Yeah. And I've been I've been telling I've been saying the same thing about Vernon for a while. Uh, Vernon had I just call them adjusted interceptions. So interceptions you threw, ones that were dropped by defenders, ones that were prevented by receivers, and then subtract ones that weren't the quarterback's fault. Cody had more. Those are the two quarterbacks that bust out in 2019. Yeah. Cody uh, Cody had more pass attempts. I think 60 more pass attempts. But Vernon Adams had 10 more adjusted interceptions. He threw a ball to a defender one every 16 times he threw the ball, which is, it's not the highest number we've, I've ever seen, but it's, it's in that Scary. ballpark. And he needs, he stares at receivers like nobody else in the CFL. And when you stop, like if you, if you look at it and go, okay, well, how many of those, how many of those touchdowns he ran for were quarterback sneaks, like 11 out of 13, whatever it was. Yeah. Okay, so now you don't do that much with them in that part of the game. I, I just think that 0-3, Standback's going to lead the league in rushing, and I think it's partly because there's going to be regression from Vernon Adams. That's definitely a fair point to make. Uh, we'll have to see. Again, I just again he's young, so I'm not going to write him off too quickly. Uh, Schultz is a nice backup there, too, so if something does happen, you know, it's not the worst thing. But, yeah, I... You and me just have different takes. I think he's got the leadership and the it factor, and I think he he probably did put the work in in the offseason to improve some of those aspects. But again, we'll see. Uh, I'll bet you a blizzard. Uh, we'll see who's right there. Does he, you know, significantly regress, or does he step up or stay the same? Oh, yeah, he regresses. He regresses big. It's It'll be uncomfortably big in my mind. You should do a over under fifteen interceptions. I I, ha I don't know that because I just have I'd have to go back and look uh, <laughs> at the how many interceptions he had last year. But I consider it a bet if he significantly regresses or if he's similar. You know, it's a it's a bet. And then so with that finished, let's hit our power rankings for week one. I am, are way too early power rankings. Yeah, way too early power rankings, to be <laughs> fair. Because who knows? Hamilton, their entire roster could have Achilles injuries tomorrow. We have no idea. You know? 
Yeah, because that's the team it's going to happen to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not a different one. Hasn't been the Riders this whole time. Or, or yeah. someone's going to walk into the stadium and bust Mazzoli in Dane Evans' kneecaps or something. But <laughs> you never know what's going to happen day to day, man. But Ottawa just sends a hit squad. <laughs> yeah. Ottawa sends a hit squad to take out every team in the league. It's like, hey, we're finally the best team in the league. They pull up a bunch of bum players. Oh, never mind. <laughs> But as of day of recording, July 26th, 2021, I have Hamilton in first. Uh, no brainer, best team in the CFL. Winnipeg, I have number two. That defense, that front seven still scares me. I don't have the most faith in Kalaros, but they're a good team. Edmonton, uh, they, as DT mentioned, they probably do have the best roster on paper, you know? Another cornerback they have that I'm really high on is Jonathan Mincy. Shutdown guy. I love him. So I, I just don't see a hole in that defense, really. Uh, they mentioned Kevin Brown, I guess, but I mean, or not Kevin Brown, middle linebacker. Uh, but other than that, yeah, I just, I love that team. Saskatchewan, the offensive line is going to scare me because in the green and white game, I was there and watching. Uh, Please, for the love of all that is holy, do not start Brett Boyko at tackle. Please, please, please. I know he was hurt last year, but I was watching the green and white game, and he is not a tackle. He was getting beat all the time. It was just, people were just speed rushing by him. And it was just, the times he was able to hold guys down, he kind of used the size and went into them. He just he got beat so much that it just scared me. Um, hopefully, you're going for one of the Americans there. But other than that, real hole on the offensive line, I think Saskatchewan's going to be good. You know that secondary is one of, if not the best secondary in the league. Uh, that D line is a question mark, but I like some of the guys that I saw and some of the things that I've been hearing about in camp for that open defensive end spot. Uh, Micah Johnson, I think he. It's back to Micah Johnson form. So, Riders fourth in my power rankings. Montreal again, fun team to watch. Um, they do have more holes. Uh, they lost their Canadian tackle Tyler jo Tyler Johnston, and they lost Trey Rutherford to retirement. Which I think both of those have been criminally understated as to Montreal and their potential success. But yeah, they're number five, even though they don't really play this week. Uh, Calgary, number six. Uh, again, I just think they lost too much. Their American receivers aren't very good. I love their Canadian receivers. Like, James is probably fuming at us because he's a huge Stamps fan. Uh, I also share his love for Hergie Mayala, uh, and Richard Sandani, Campbell Collegiate alumni. But, yeah, for me, Calgary is just... They've lost too much. And then BC, they got significantly better. Uh, that offense is going to be scary. Uh, I think with the addition of Dominic Rimes and Riker Matthews filling that black hole at tackle, that is a huge improvement. Number eight, Argos. I think we're, they're going to need a couple weeks to put everything together with all the new additions they have. And Ottawa, because Ottawa are a bunch of bums, pretty much. Talent-wise. Taylor, do you want to kick off? 
Uh, yeah. Well, I got uh, Edmonton number one for me. I just, uh, like we've kind of been stating this whole podcast, they're just on paper. They look like that, like that receiving core. They got Trevor Harris. They got James Wilder. Their defense is really good as well all over the place. So I see them at the top. Uh, I like I wanted to put Hamilton there, but my mind always goes back to the Grey Cup and kind of what happened there. I still think they're going to be the best in the East and they're going to be a problem for everybody, but I still think Edmonton's better. Uh, and then I have Winnipeg and Saskatchewan in four and five, or sorry, yeah, in three and four, sorry. And uh, I think Winnipeg, just with like the Riders' injuries stacking up, it just week one, we might have a rough get go out of the gate. Uh, and then I have Calgary, Montreal, and I think Calgary might struggle at the start, but they always find a way at the end. So this is week one, uh, Montreal, BC, Toronto, and Ottawa. They're just, I think those are kind of, they'll be the losers of the games and they're not going to like, they have a lot of work to do, including uh, Ottawa and BC specifically. I just, I didn't see them do a lot to protect Mike. So I think he's still going to get hit a lot and Ottawa is going to have some time to get what they need going and that's yeah that's my take um okay so i'm saying number one hamilton i think that they are the strongest team in the league um again great cup they basically just the wheels fell off everything that could have gone wrong did go wrong um that being said i still think winnipeg is second um i think that they are just the fact that through the pandemic the only real punch to the gut that they had was their secondary but they've been able to sort of patch that up a little bit so i like them there third i have saskatchewan um i think saskatchewan built something really really good um especially centered around fajardo but we'll see because people have been high on quarterbacks before after one year and then they've turned into john jennings so mm-hmm. we'll, we'll see um not wishing that but just saying that that's happened um <laughs> Uh, fourth, I've got Edmonton. I think that just, I think they're a really strong team. I think that they're going to put it together and become a force eventually, but I think that they've got to figure it out for like one or two weeks. Uh, then I got BC sort of right in the middle of the pack, go down, um, got Montreal, Calgary in seventh. Again, pieces are just gone. Uh, eighth Toronto and in ninth, I've got Ottawa, but because of my uh, actual rankings, I do see that improving a little bit throughout the season. Right. Well, I Hamilton, best roster in the league, number one. They're a top two defensive backfield. They're a the best receiving core, and they're the best four-man defensive line in the CFL. I think Hamilton's awesome. Uh, if Brandon Banks is in the Grey Cup, then I think they had a chance, but that hip injury kind of them. Edmonton talked about how they improved their number two. I feel bad putting them number two in a power ranking over Winnipeg because I think week one Winnipeg uh, defensive backfield question marks, but that that front four that could just murder people. Mm, mm, love it. Offensive line, good. Receivers, okay. Running backs, I pick any one of the top two running backs there, throw them in there, and I love Zach Caleros. So I feel that's maybe two and two A. Saskatchewan and four, they're they're not as good a team as they were last year. How could you be with the personnel losses they've had? But I have my fingers crossed. Toronto, BC, Calgary, seven. Montreal gets the bye, but 
they're they're just awaiting an 0-3 start. And the reasons I mentioned with uh, Vernon Adams, I can't wait to see William Stanback absolutely just crush dudes under his foot. That's going to be awesome. That guy is special. And Ottawa, number nine with a bullet. We're all on Ottawa being the uh, the least powerful team for the week one power rankings. Yep. I know uh, Micah Alway has sometimes jawed me on our social media about having <laughs> Ottawa last in everything, which I know Taylor and Carter love, but I mean, it's kind of true. Like, I like you, Micah Alway, and oh. if you're listening to this, I'm very sorry, but... Man, I, I like no. I like Mike Alway. Prove us wrong, dude. Yeah, exactly. prove us wrong. You you no. look at the best players, they use this as fuel. So if I'm Ottawa, put all of this on a board and say everybody is picking you to be bums this year. Now are you gonna go and be bums or are you gonna be studs, you know? And if I'm the coach, that's what I say to them, you know, and hype them up. But can, can we do a little thing while we're while we're here? Sure. I, I I've tried to do this, I've tried to do this on my show. Give me a player from Ottawa that you would take on your team, that you would put on another team and go, yeah, that guy's an improvement over what we have. Cleon Lang, Canadian defensive tackle. That's absolutely one of them, for sure. Uh, Pruneau, Mike Adam and Pruneau, I don't know. That's kind of iffy for me. If you're talking Sam Pruneau, probably, though. Um, okay. I mean, I, I'd go open. Like I've, I mean, I've said this a bunch of times. I was on Camp Nichols over Camp Caleros. Oh, okay. You and Derek might have to fight on that one. <laughs> Hard disagree, but I can see it. Yeah, yeah. Nichols is a Nichols is a, is a good quarterback in the CFL. I can see that. But uh, R.J. Harris, I would take on my team if it was the number two or the number three. Avery Williams at that weak side linebacker, bring it on. I enjoy him. Abdul Kana, good. Sherrod Baltimore, good. Don Unamba at Sam, sure, I can see it. I have to stop after Nolan McMillan. Okay. Oh, I sorry. Pardon me. Mark Cordy. Good. They are after that. It's a bunch of guys who wouldn't make a lot of teams. I, I feel like I just, I Frank Beltray is my starting defensive end. Frank's a nice dude, uh, but he's a depth defensive end in the CFL and he has to start for this team. Uh, Devon Coleman is a depth defensive tackle now, and he has to start for this team. They got a lot of depth players. Uh, they're, like, they're like the Houston Texans of the CFL right now. They've got some depth players, but they don't have the number ones that I want. And I, I hear good things about Daniel Peterman. Uh, my buddy Marshall Ferguson played with Peterman, but he's that Zed receiver. So he's 50 miles from the ball, and he's going to see 35 targets unless Lapo figures something out for him. So I don't see the talent that other teams salivate to, to try and get. That's fair. Let's just hope Matt Nichols doesn't go full Deshaun Watson on us, okay? My. <laughs> hey, I'm sorry. Hey, we were all thinking that. I, I had to say it. I'm sorry. It was too good to pass up. Is a hat that said, instead of game manager says massage enthusiast? Is that what you're thinking? <laughs> yes. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, man. I love that we can make those jokes on this podcast, man. Um. All right. So now that we've laughed our way through the power rankings, let's jump into value picks here. So I'll go over these, and if I'm missing somebody, just let me know. Um, I have Braden Linus for twenty five hundred dollars. Obviously, again, the CFL fantasy. In case you don't know, we all love CFL fantasy here. So, yeah, but we do. Uh, Braden Linus. Uh, he 
has been a slot receiver in Ryder Camp, so he's going to get some decent targets, and for 2500 can't go wrong. Uh, and then I have Brady Oliveira, who is $3,000, slash Johnny Augustine, who is $2,536, and I have an asterisk there because uh, it depends on the health of Andrew Harris. Sometimes, again, if you're listening to this podcast long enough, I will mix up the Harris's. I apologize for that in advance if it happens. But for me, yeah, uh, it seems like, Carter, you might know more about this. Is Andrew Harris nursing an injury? From what it looks like, yes. I mean, he's limping after drills. That's not, um, that's not an Andrew Harris thing that normally happens. You know, it's just like, um, I, I feel like they're trying to hide it because I feel like they're trying to not have it turn into a big thing. Like, oh, will he play week one? But it's almost an adverse effect where it's like they're keeping quiet about it. He's not going to play week one, you know? <laughs> yeah, because Winnipeg likes to play their cards close to the vest. So mm-hmm. uh, when the depth chart comes out, we'll find out. So that's what that asterisk is. And if he is hurt, Brady Oliveira slash Johnny Augustine, whoever started in there. Um, I was told by Eddie Steele that Brady Oliveira is the number two guy there, so lean towards him if you have to. And then I got Devontae Dedman in Ottawa because they have no receivers. And Richardson Danny at um, 26.72. I think that's a nice option in Calgary. Uh, Are there any other guys that you guys would consider value picks 3,500 and under? Uh, I looked through and I couldn't find any. That Those are the ones that I, I, if I had to throw one on my team, it'd be Devontae Deadman for sure. Or I'd take a shot. Actually, I think I have Sandani on my team, so. Um, oh, I think they're good. Yeah, I mean, for me, personally, I think that Winnipeg blows through their running backs. So even if Harris isn't there, like if Harris especially isn't there, then I'm taking whoever's starting that game. Yeah, that's that's an easy one. If if it's Johnny Augustine, the two games he played against Saskatchewan in nineteen, right. he was he was essentially Andrew Harris. So that's that's a no brainer. Braden Lenius should be on everybody's roster because that cat in the first game is going to get six or seven targets, and whatever he does with them, you you need to pay a lot more money to get a guy who's going to get seven targets. So that's absolutely a guy. I'm terrified of anybody from Ottawa because they are going to get just murdered by Edmonton. And I, twenty nine hundred bucks, I'd maybe give it a give it a shot, especially if Edmonton's in the return game. But, and I assume he's that boundary wide receiver. But I don't. I have fears of what that offense looks like, so I I'm, I kind of stay I pull a stay away from Ottawa in that because they're going to get just 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 slaughtered in that game. Oh, 100%. I got Lenius on my roster as my value pick. My team right now as it stands is Trevor Harris, Jack Cooper, James Wilder, Darrell Walker, Huff, Lenius, and the Elks defense. And then I'll give honorable mentions to Timothy Flanders, who's $3,588, and Levi Noel, who's $3,522, as those guys just are over a requirement of $3,500. So I'll jump to our best positional options. We'll start at quarterback and work our way down. Uh, we have Cody Fajardo at $10,695. Trevor Harris at 
$9,805. And lastly, Bo Levi Mitchell at $9,566. What do you guys think? Is there would you add someone else into that mix? Uh well, I got Trevor Harris on my team, so I'm I'm good with Trevor Harris. I think think like Derek's been saying, he's gonna light Ottawa up. So he's I think he's a really good pick to have week one. Yeah, no, I mean really when you just look at the best positional players right now i yeah i can't really dispute this yeah i take trevor harris and save the money right Fajardo might run for a touchdown which would be great but if i can save 900 bucks and take trevor harris against i if i can stack against ottawa at any point in the early part of the season i'm absolutely going to do it so take trevor and ellingson or trevor and Darrell Walker Walker's probably a little bit outpriced for what we might get Harris to me is to me a no-brainer to be a quarterback for week number one because Bo Levi Mitchell is so interesting in that he's a a great quarterback but he's not a great fantasy quarterback and that always puzzles me yeah I know well it's because he doesn't run the ball at all so it's just you don't get those sweet sweet rushing points and I know Trevor Harris is sometimes used in that you know third and inches roll so maybe you get a touchdown out of him but he isn't that mobile either but i don't know he just racks up a ton of yards you know so who's a good fantasy an quarterback oh. you know who's a good fantasy quarterback mbt i was just gonna say oh, yes yes yep yes i just the only reason he's not on here is it's not confirmed if he's the starter or not if he was mm-hmm. confirmed he would be on here because i love mbt as well I still Wild don't know who's through. starting there because you all of you think it's gonna be uh him. It's gonna be I, McLeod. I'm yeah. still thinking that maybe Art sneak or not Art Arbuckle sneaks his way on there. No way. So yeah. It's Arbuckle's old coach. That's the thing, right? Exactly. That's, That's what I'm saying. Oh, Thank you. I, MBT needs to be a starter. Like I would take MBT over Nichols in a heartbeat. If oh, me too. Me the option. Hell yes. But I'm not personally, I, I wouldn't be a hundred percent on that, but I, yeah. if there was a stock market for CFL quarterbacks, you'd probably be the only one holding the nickel stock. Still everybody else. Would yeah, just, probably. Everybody else would be sell, sell, sell. And then Carter's like, I'm just going to yeah, hold ride, on to this for a rainy day. Ride the wave. Yeah. Come back. <laughs> Going yeah. to the moon. Yeah. Yeah. To the moon, baby. <laughs> that, that's where I'm with, at with Vernon Adams. But yeah. We'll we'll see you on that one, <laughs> and then let's jump into our running backs. Uh, Andrew Harris at nine thousand one hundred seventy two dollars. William Powell at six thousand dollars nine hundred and nineteen. Uh, James Wilder Jr. at five thousand seven hundred twenty two, and Shaq Cooper at five thousand four hundred twenty eight. Yeah, uh, William Powell is my guy starting uh starting this week so i just think yeah that's the way to go it's gonna have a good game against that bc defense i don't think they stand much much of a chance against him and the games they've played in the past he's done really well so that's if i think that should be your starter uh one of the two at least i disagree with andrew harris being on this list right now because even if he gets the start who's to say especially with what's happening right now that he'll play the entire game so you burn that not only like you burn that on like that much money on a quarterback or not quarterback on a running back that's not going to play the whole game or is questionable to i just i would not touch that especially at that price point 
Any anybody starting for Harris though is your first pick for sure. Uh, they're up there. Any, yeah. If if it's if it's Oliveira or if it's Augustine, that guy's guaranteed to be on your roster though, because I will one hundred percent put that cat on my roster. Uh, like, I would. I have enough cap well, that if it's Oliveira or um, Augustine, I'm just going to swap Lenius for one of them. Well, I, I think a three thousand dollar running back, I will who will take starter carries in a game that they could. It's not inconceivable that they win. I love running backs from winning teams, but and if I get a guy for three grand, I'll I'll take it. I think I think James Wilder Jr. is was my first running back off the board because yep. again, running backs from teams that are going to win, uh, and it's only fifty seven hundred bucks. I saved twelve hundred bucks off of William Powell, and I could spend that somewhere else. I like JWJ. No one else on on the Wilder. No one else getting Wilder with me. Hey, I'm getting Wilder with you. My two running backs are Wilder and Shaq Cooper. I think Shaq Cooper is criminally underrated. Uh, speaking of which, I was just thinking about because uh, one of the guys is dogging me how I said Shaq Cooper was a upgrade over John White, and they keep dogging me about that. It's like, oh no, he's he's you know not as good at all. It's like, nah, I don't know about that. And then I just realized. Brandon Rutley is still a free agent. How is that a thing? Because who the hell is Ottawa's running back? Timothy Flanders, the guy that played <laughs> yeah. last couple years ago. Yeah, like Rutley could beat that guy for sure, you know? But, uh, he knows his RBs, right? I, I, no, nobody uh, on Kadeem Carey against Toronto in this one? Uh, I am I'm not being... living the Kadeem with Kadeem, unless... Uh, <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> unless... Uh, <laughs> They can prove to me he's the starter. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) The Kadream with Kadeem. Uh that we're gonna keep that one. But um cut the podcast off, bro. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we have a lot of good inside jokes on this podcast, but um That is not one of them. Is that what we're saying? (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I haven't I haven't used our other one much to the chagrin of Carter. I could make a a needles and arms with Andrew Harris joke, but I've taken the high road on that one. Oh, yes, that's why you just brought it up. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's because yeah. I've been thinking about it, man. It's like, hey, you know, but I'm not going with Kadeem until uh, he shows that he is the alpha number one running back in Calgary and they're not going to use like two or three running backs. Like if he gets all the carries, though, I'm considering him next week. That's where I'm at with Kadeem. I don't think they have. I mean, apart from anti-leader and now Calvin McCarty. Like, I think they only have one of the running back, American running back out there. So I think they might be caught in this thing where they love, ever since uh, Jerome Messam, they've loved to just keep rotating these cats through. I don't know if they have many other options other than carry. So uh, as it gets closer, I'm going to look at that one because 5100 bucks for an RB right now is a good price in a game that I think Calgary can win. Oh, no doubt. Like, yeah, if someone went with that, I wouldn't hate it, but... I just think Shaq Cooper and Wilder are better options. Um, oh, and, oh, hold, on, yep. hold on. I got a question for DT here. So I know we're saying stay away from Ottawa and everything, but would you take Timothy Flanders? Like, I see him getting the ball a lot, no matter what, because they're going to run out of options. I Running out of options is, is a decent point. There's just teams that win the game run the ball so much more, and as you get to the fourth quarter – uh, teams that are losing end up being well over 80% passing. So uh, I don't, I don't really think Flanders is, is a viable option for, 
for me in week number one because I just think I think Ottawa's chasing that game the whole way. Uh, is he, are they going to get to the red zone a bunch and give him touches inside the five? Uh, I just I'm on the that they're so bad bandwagon that and who knows if Galanders ends up getting some carries as well, right? Whatever Canadian they roster yeah. that game. So uh, I think. If Timothy Flanders was the uh, the Winnipeg running back, I'd take him in a heartbeat. But it's just the the team that he plays behind and the offensive line that they play behind. I think it's just I, for me, it's just trouble in week one. Okay, well, fair enough. I like that take. Yeah, same Good. here. There is a meta to CFL fantasy every year. Um, if you're not familiar with the term meta, it just means like a a specific way of doing things. Like Carter, you and I are gamers, so we're familiar with that term. Um. Some years, the meta is to not take defenses and just roll with higher-end players. Uh, and 2019, the meta was just bullying the crap out of Ottawa and whoever was playing them. And I think you saw when I said my roster, I- I'm leaning towards that again. And I think you guys should, too. Yeah, pick on the pick on the Ottawa's and Toronto's from 2019, right? That was the three and four win team nothing wrong with beating on teams in fantasy oh 100 percent. so let's jump into the wide receivers now uh we got braylon addison for nine thousand one hundred sixty seven dollars eric rogers for eight thousand two hundred ninety four jarell walker for seven thousand nine hundred eighty five greg ellingson for seven thousand four hundred eighty eight jack evans for Six thousand eight hundred and nine dollars. Uh, Juwan Breskinson, four thousand one hundred seventy-nine. Josh Huff, uh, same. Uh, Markeith Ambles, four thousand ninety-eight, and Jordan Williams Lambert at three thousand nine hundred seventy-eight. Was there any that I missed? Yes. All right, hit me. Lamar Durant. Margaret. Oh, what's he go? 5,062? He's not a bad second pick there. He's not the most expensive, but if Riley's throwing, it's to him or Burnham. Or Or Dominic Grimes. Grimes. Or Dominic Grimes, true. Durant's that number two to the field, and that's that's good stuff, yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm with that. Yeah, I I, I can't hate that pick if someone goes against with that. I just... No, you notice I shied away from the BC receivers, and that's not because I think they're bad. It's just because they're facing that Saskatchewan secondary, right? And like Saskatchewan is one of those teams that just shuts down guys, and guys don't have their best games against that secondary very often. So I just I shied away from the BC guys and kind of went towards matchups with some of those picks. Um, but. When yeah. those players do against the Riders, when they do have their game against them, it's a game. Week two, Dominic Rhymes says, what's up? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> hey, Dominic Rhymes is on this team, so yep. maybe he should have been in there. But, uh, yeah, for me, I was just, I, I just thought matchup, and then some of you may be wondering, oh, why not Banks or Burnham or Kamar Jordan in here? I'm looking at the three most expensive receivers. And it's just yeah, because I don't like those prices. Yeah, like uh, yeah. I to to me everybody just everybody in CFL fantasy has to have Braden Lenius on their roster in week one. Just you absolutely have to. That many targets for twenty five hundred bucks, gotta be done. 
Yep, you and me are same page. The only way he's getting off my roster is if Oliveira or Johnny Augustine start. Then I'm swapping him out for one of them. Maybe I move up to Huff. I swap him and Huff and then upgrade to Braylon Addison from Darrell Walker, but we'll see. Yeah, there's the play there. Yeah. But yeah, I think that's for the receivers. Uh, traditionally, we have not picked a lot of defenses in our fantasy picks. Uh, sometimes we even advise against it on some weeks. But for this one, smash that Elks defense. Like, pick them. It, I, I don't care if you don't have enough money. Make room for them, because Ottawa is really that bad, and Edmonton's defense is really that good. Is there, any yeah. is there anybody else to consider yeah. uh, as far as turnovers? Because, uh, I mean, one thing Nichols does is protect the ball, right? That guy threw five picks last season and and didn't doesn't have interceptable passes. So is there somebody else to consider? That's a good question. I just feel like Edmonds is going to get an insane amount of sacks, too. So like, even if they don't get the picks, they'll get the sacks, you know? Maybe Calgary's defense, but they're expensive for what you're going to get out of them. That that would be my argument with that. Yeah, mm. and they lost uh, big parts of that secondary. So if you have McLeod going in there, oh. he's going to torch them. So. But it could you you mm. could say Hamilton's defense at Win like Hamilton could be so mad at Winnipeg that they're going to destroy them and light them up. Like that's still yeah, that's a good defense on that team. That's a tough one. We could see Simone Lawrence part two electric boogaloo with Zach Kalaros, <laughs> but uh, I mean for his sake I hope not, but at the same time, you know, if that happens, then Winnipeg's defense makes sense. But yeah. Anybody the, for Toronto against Calgary for five hundred bucks less than Edmonton? Toronto's D? Toronto's that could be interesting. Like if you're if you're a Gambling boomer bust type of fantasy player, I could see that, but for me, I tend to be more conservative. Give me the sure things more than the risk. So I I but yeah, I definitely could see someone going with Toronto, especially with that defensive line looking scary, you know, Sean Oakman, you got there Shane Ray, and then you got CFL vets like Hughes and Law on that line too, which like, there's not enough starting spots for all those guys. I don't know how they're <laughs> going to make that work. But, yeah, that I think that concludes those recommendations. And then we're going to go and talk about our locks here. These are picks that we are not taking out of our roster no matter what. Uh, for me, it's the Elks defense. Like I said, hammer that. Um, I don't, I, like, that's just, I think they're going to put up, like, 15 to 20. So you got to pick. No, oh, fair enough. Well, I took uh, William Powell with my lock. Uh, since we've been talking about fantasy, I've been uh, changing my whole team around and everything has changed, but William Powell. So uh, yeah, I think he's just, he's going to have a good game against BC and uh, he should get you at least 20 points. My guess. I personally, I like Tim Flanders because I think with, the amount of touches that he's going to get versus the cost that he is, I think he's going to be a very good value player. I, I'm on Trevor Harris. Uh, I don't see another quarterback that I want to play. I could save a couple bucks, and I just think Edmonton puts a 50-burger on Ottawa, and there could be a lot. It could be the six-touchdown playoff game redux for Trevor <laughs> Harris. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. I, 
I was leaning that way, but I was like, uh, that that just for me, I I wanted to go with a more interesting pick, so I went with the Elks defense. I, I like that pick too, though. Like, I'm definitely picking Trevor Harris this week. Um, again, the meta that is going to be to bully the crap out of Ottawa until further notice. So, yeah, Trevor Harris. Uh, I like that one. William Powell. I don't think you can go wrong there. I think BC, that defense did have some issues with the run, so I don't hate that pick. Tim Flanders, I like that as a value option too. So those are all good picks. And then let's jump into our pick'em. Uh, I almost forgot this, but usually we do um, predictions for who we think is going to win every week and then tally it up at the end of the year. So for game one, I have Hamilton beating Winnipeg. Uh, two, I have Sask beating BC. Three, I have Calgary beating the Argos. And then, obviously, the Elks crushing the Red Blacks. Nice pick. So I, I, mine's a little different from yours. I'm going with all the home teams. I'm picking Winnipeg over Hamilton, Sask over BC, Calgary, versus, uh, Calgary over Toronto, and Edmonton. Uh, yeah, Edmonton's going to dominate that game. So yeah, I just I I think those are those are going to be some good home game wins week one. Yeah, I think Winnipeg starts off hot again. I think this would be like the third or fourth year that they start out really hot. Um, I take Saskatchewan. I think they're going to win. I think Toronto is going to pull an upset in week one. I think Toronto does that. Um, and then I've got, of course, Edmonton beating Ottawa. I like the thought of the Toronto upset in Calgary. That would set a real nice tone for the season. Uh, Hamilton, Sask, but it's getting closer in my mind. Calgary and Ottawa in the massive upset. <laughs> oh, boy. That'll <laughs> never happen. <laughs> Matt uh, Nichols scrambling for triple digits. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> anybody anybody going to anybody going to bet any CFL this year? I just want to throw something out to anybody who might bet a CFL game this year. Uh, I'm considering it. it with single game betting. Yeah. So uh, just based on, they're going to put the line out based on what happened in 2019. So Edmonton and Ottawa is going to be, I think it's going to be a closer line than many people would expect it to be. And I think it's Edmonton minus six, I think is going to be the line. And that just, see, that will be insane to me when I see that. I'll rub my eyes twice and be like, I can't believe I'm seeing this and then bet my mortgage on it. Cause come on. Come on. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, for me, it's just with gambling. I don't understand the negative odds, the positive odds I get, like if you bet a hundred dollars, you know, it's one fifty. I think you'd win $50, but with the negative odds, I don't understand. Cause for me, it sounds like you would lose money. Like if I put a hundred thousand down, I'd get 85 <laughs> back. I'm not sure if that's how that works or not. Uh, how do negative odds work? DT? So uh, the basic line would be minus 110. Uh, what would we do? Uh, Hamilton, Winnipeg. Uh, Hamilton is going to be, uh, say on the money line, it'd be, they'd both be minus 110. So you'd have to bet $110. And then if you win that game, you would win $100 plus your original money back. So your 110 would get you 210. If oh. it was plus 110, you would bet $100 and win $110. So... Minus is you're paying a little more, like you get, you know, minus 200 is you bet $2 to win $1 back, plus your original wager. The plus money is the exact opposite of you would bet $1 plus 200 to win $2 hmm. plus your dollar back. 
That makes sense. I might have to go back to the over-under odds then, because I was looking at that earlier, and I was like, they're all like 115 or whatever, and I'm like, uh, I, I don't know. But, yeah, I might have to do that now. And how about you guys, Carter, Taylor, how about you guys for gambling? What do you think? Um, I, I, whenever I look at that stuff, whenever I look at, like, sports odds, that stuff, I always flip it to the, uh, to the decimal system. It just makes my brain process it easier. Um, that game comes in at 187, right? And that makes sense, yeah. So, I mean, I'm open to it. I think it's a lot better than having to say, like, oh, I'm going to get three out of the four games correct, or else you <laughs> get no money, you know? So, I'm, I'm probably going to dabble in it, but not a ton. Crazy story, uh, now that you mention it. Uh, I ran a, before CFL Pick'em and CFL Fantasy existed back in the days when I was a young cadet, I ran a CFL Pick'em League where I would basically text people, you know, get their predictions for the games. And we had this one chick who said she knew nothing about football. She got every single game right for like six weeks. I couldn't believe it. I was like, how are you doing this? And I have like the papers to prove that that was going on. She's just like, I don't know. I'm just getting like, it's like, how? It was crazy. So, it's definitely possible to get them all right, but I mean, it's not going to happen very often. And then, what about you, Taylor? Are you going to partake? Well, I'm going to try it. I've, uh, I think I've gambled about three times in my lifetime, so I'll have some, I'll have some learning to do before I go ahead. <laughs> but yeah, I'm going to give it a try. Now, now that they legalize, like, yeah, single-game sports betting in Canada, got to partake in it, and if it put some money in the CFL's pocket, then I'm happy to. Yeah. James, our draft expert, he, uh, he's our resident gambler. Uh, <laughs> hey, he is, man. He, he puts bet him and Brand I think Brandon put bets down all the time, but ah. for me, it's just, yeah, I, I'm sure once I know a bit more, I'm going to get into it, especially because it, you can do that single game bet. Uh, before, I think you had to bet three games or something, and I just, I, I couldn't see it where I'd be confident enough in all three to make a bet, so kind of shied away from it. But if there's one game that the odds are super stupid for one week, it's like, okay, I'll jump on that, you know? Mm -hmm. And then let's jump, now that we're done our pick em, to Game Time Cues, which is a narrative from each game. Um, for the week so we're gonna go the hamilton versus winnipeg guy uh my question is who is your starter for week one for hamilton for at quarterback uh, yeah it's gonna be uh jeremiah mazzoli in my opinion uh like i know dean got them to the, the great cup but uh i in my opinion i i like jeremiah like if i had to pick between the two i'd pick jeremiah for my team and uh I do see them, though, utilizing both quarterbacks throughout the season. Dame's not just going to be a bench warmer. He will come out, and he will be throwing some balls as well. How long is the leash? That's a good uh, question. It's going to be long to start. That's, that's what I think. Yeah, it'll I, be... Ooh. They're going to give him a couple weeks, because he's been out for a while. They'll give him a couple weeks, and if it's not by week four, then I think you see the switch. I, I agree with going with Masoli week one. I disagree... I think they're going to give him a shorter leash because Dane Evans was the guy who 
what got them pretty much like what when did that injury happen what like week seven yeah i was gonna say week eight somewhere around yeah, there somewhere there yeah so over half the season takes the team to the gray cup obviously not by himself but yeah you can't you can't look at that type of performance and then all of a sudden say like no, no, we have to give this guy multiple chances before we give the ball back to you. I just don't agree with that. That's fair. That is fair. And then, DT, uh, what do you think of that? Oh, I, I think you have to start Masoli week one. I I see the guys as very similar quarterbacks, except that Masoli adds in the run element that, that Dane Evans doesn't. How much he does off the knee injury is TBD, but uh, I mean, both guys, Masoli throws some bad turnovers, but Dane Evans throws at least a turn, you know, a interception every game. So I just think for, for the extra, the higher floor, you, you've got to go with Masoli. And I'd never thought about what kind of leash I would give him, but that, that, that cat is proven in this league. Like he's not the best quarterback in, in the uh, CFL, but he's not worse no, like- than the fifth best quarterback. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm not exactly. I'm not saying I'm not saying that, but I just feel like you like imagine like, you know, you you go over half the season, you win the Great Cup, and then all of a sudden you're on the bench because like just because somebody came back and it's weird. Like you feel like, you know, you feel like you win your job if you do something like that. You feel like you should be the guy. But he fumbled the bag at the most important time. True. Not not just him but he did fumble the bag. Yeah. I mean, I feel his like... first pass was a pick, right? Like his first pass in the Grey Cup was a pick. And I was yeah. in that game waiting. When does he throw his first interception? Oh, crap. It's the first pass of the game. And <laughs> so, so when's he going to throw an awesome, interception? But... Yeah. Yeah. I, I, don't see, I don't see Dane Evans being special in that I want to displace uh, a guy who is a proven starter like Masoli in, in my mind. So it's, to me, it would take a while to get me off of Masoli. Mm-hmm. I, I'm with you on that. I, I do lean towards the shorter leash, though, if he isn't performing well and maybe he isn't as mobile after the injury. If you don't see that, I think he has a short leash. And But yeah, they could definitely go like a 1A, 1B system if they need to with that group. It's just, it's so good. It's It's really hard to tell, but I think... We're all leaning towards Masoli being that week one starter. Mm-hmm. So let's jump on to the BC versus SAS game. Uh, the question I have is, will that uh, front seven for Saskatchewan hold up against that improved BC offense? Because the secondary for me is not in doubt. They're excellent. You know, but there's a lot of new faces in that front seven, so... How are they going to look against BC? Well, uh, I think that BC's got a, you could say a seven, but a, a week or five. And uh, like, I know some of our guys are new, but we still got AC Leonard back there. And uh, I, I think that they will have a good game against Mike Riley. He'll still throw 300 yards, but yeah, they're going to, they're going to knock him to the ground at least three times. So I think they'll play pretty well. Yeah. The front seven will have a good game. I mean, BC, again, their offensive line improved. I don't think they improved to the point of keeping the Saskatchewan front seven away from them. Um, 
that's yeah that's that's all i've got really for that just i've already said my piece about how i feel about the bc front line i i think i mean getting Riker matthews to be that that tackle opposite joel figueroa it, it was i think a fantastic move and if everybody's healthy hunter stewart godber i have no idea what that cat is but soup chung can block the hell out of people i i think bc at least in that front four that their front five is is improved a fair bit but it's going to be scheme that 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 changes everything in for in my mind uh there were too many times in 19 where riley was standing there holding the ball and i truly believe there was nobody whose route was open at that point so i need to figure that out and saskatchewan's i mean saskatchewan's front is not as good it won't be it won't be as good as it was because how could it be when you were trying to replace charleston hughes with now a guy who's never played in the Canadian Football League. And then linebackers are, you know, the runner-up for most outstanding Canadian, a first ballot Hall of Famer, and a guy who's in the NFL. <laughs> That's, I, I think there's there's definitely room to be taken against, the, if you want to call it the front seven. Uh, the back five, no, no problems in it. Blaze Brown at that field corner, plus the other four that were there last year. Good, good stuff. Good with all that, but... Uh, I am I am curious about that front. AC is now not Charleston's sidekick. AC is the lead dog in mm -hmm. this, and I, I don't know how that's going to go. I like AC. Uh, there's a couple young defensive ends that I really am high on. Um, the one guy that stood out in the green and white game, because I went, probably stood out the most to me, was, uh, what's his face? D-End got into a fight with Dan Clark. Name is drawing a blank. Oh, right you're now. thinking of Garrett Marino, the defensive yes, tackle. That yeah. dude. They put him at end sometime. He was in the three in the three man front. Yeah. Yeah, he looked really nice. Um, another guy I like, Demetrius Harris, who was a excellent defensive end in Division Two football. I think he was either the leader in sacks there. Or he was like second. So he's another guy I like there. So hey. I, I like that spot. Yeah, hit me. Just speaking of sacks and stuff, what, uh, like, just curious since we got everyone here now, Micah Johnson had a year off where he thought he was going to play for BC and then he comes back to the Riders. Do you guys think he has a better season, like, than he did last time here? Because, what, he only had two sacks and that's not really like, like him. So, do you guys think he plays better and maybe especially week one? Oh, that's a good one. For me, um, in. I listen to the Yahoo's fantasy football podcast a lot for the NFL, and they always talk about regression to the mean. Um, I think in this case, it's going to be progression to the mean for Micah Johnson. I don't think he's we're going to see a season like that from him again. Um, he might not be like 15 uh, to 11 sacks in there, but I could see him getting like eight, you know, this year. Mm hmm. Um,. Personally, this is a, um, oh man. Personally, this is out of my element a little bit. So I'm gonna I'm gonna throw it over to you while I really think about what I want to say about this. I thought you were gonna say something that's gonna make me want to fight you. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, so, so no, Micah was... had some. Uh, sorry, Carter. Micah, Micah had some injuries. He had a high ankle sprain in in 19, which caused him some problems. In, in the end, uh, I have him fifth uh, among defensive tackles in quarterback pressures and. Uh, yeah, he didn't get credited with a bunch of sacks from the CFL, but I, I had I had him with nine in total, including the playoffs. Hmm. Uh, just just because 
Uh, you don't you don't get there ahead of, you know ahead of Charleston. You get there one one fiftieth of a second behind Charleston. The CFL gives it to Charleston. I like to to give double credit in in times like that. So I think he was fine. the The problem I have so far is Micah. I think he's an absolute monster, but he's favoring his knee in training camp, and he's already taken oh. a shot in his knee. And I wonder what that is uh, about. Uh, that's that's my concern with with Micah. I think I. I don't remember. I went back and looked when he did it. Uh, there had not been a, a defensive interior who led the league in sacks before Micah did it in the traceable stats that are available publicly in the CFL. That guy's an absolute monster when he's a hundred percent. I, I mm-hmm. pray he's a hundred percent because they need him bad, but I don't, I don't know if that's going to be the case. For sure. Good, good points guys. Another guy that stood out to me in the green and white game, because I went and I don't really want to do like a half an hour segment on the green and white game because it only pertains to Ryder fans. And I know three out of the four people on this podcast currently are Ryder fans, but I do want this to be like a whole CFL show. So uh, another guy that I liked uh, for the green and white game was Damon Webb at corner. I'm wondering if maybe he could start over Blaze Brown. Godfrey on Yekka played well, too. Um, so I'm just wondering, could either of those guys kind of start ahead of Blaze Brown, DT? I doubt it based on what we've seen. I think if they if they would make a move like that, they'd probably go to Christian Campbell first because Campbell's been the guy they've felt okay putting into the boundary when Marshall has mispracticed. But, uh, yeah, I mean, on Yekka's making, making this team because I think they want to keep the option to go Canadian when Ailey Buka gets back up to a camp. Yeah, I, I love both those guys. So I hope we really do give a Canadian DB a shot. So it'll be nice to see what happens there. Also, if you're a Ryder fan, uh you can tell you can you can tell who Damon Webb is because he stands out like a sore thumb with his red cleats and red gloves. That was one thing I noticed because he's a he's from Ohio State, right? So he's got the still got the red from back then. And then let's jump into our next game, which is Toronto versus Calgary. Um, How will the new look Argos do against the Stamps? Do you guys think this is going to be a coming out party for Toronto? Or is Calgary going to show that, hey, we haven't lost a step. We're still Calgary. No, I think it's going to be actually a close game. Like it'll be like I think it'll be lower scoring, but it'll be like a a close game. I think Ottawa, they might have the advantage with the fresh legs with everybody. Or sorry, Toronto, they'll have uh, the advantage of fresh legs with everyone. Not that Calgary doesn't, but uh, I just think it could work out for them. And uh, with Calgary, I mean, I just, I always think Calgary could do well. So it's going to be, I just, yeah, overall, I think it's going to be a really close game. Um, I mean, in my predictions, I said Toronto was going to win this game. And yeah, I think. Toronto really turns heads with this one. I think that, yeah, I think it's close, but I think just the fact that Toronto beats Calgary, it's going to sort of surprise everyone because, you know, Toronto's been sort of down in the dumps for, I mean, and people have kind of had that perception of them because it's hard to lose the perceptions that we've had of some of these teams with a year off. Like, you know, we haven't really seen teams crazily improve except for maybe Edmonton. So, Mm. But yeah, I think uh, so. I think Toronto's really going to wake some people up with how good they perform. 
Yeah, like they were they were atrocious in 2019, right? Like they won four games and three were against Ottawa. That's terrible. <laughs> That's you know you're you know you're the second worst team in the league when all you can do is beat up on the worst team. Yeah. I I just look at all the talent they have added in this is crazy. Like Cam Judge and Enoch Mwamba and Charleston Hughes and Cordero Law, there's four pieces of of a defense that every team in the league would like to have. Oh, Chris Edwards is the Sam. Okay, that works. Oh, by the way, DeVaris Daniels, Eric Rogers, and Breskison. Hmm. Okay, I would like that too. Firmed up their guards. We no longer have to see uh, Tyler. What's his name at uh, at guard at left guard for them? Uh, I've lost his name. Fifty-seven. Tyler Holmes. Uh, I no longer have to see him there. But so they just added so much talent that them winning would not surprise me at all. And and honestly, I think it'll catch a lot of people off guard. What? When it does happen, like what like Carter was saying, it it's going to it's going to surprise some folks, but based on the talent that they have added, I, I don't know. I don't think it should. Toronto, I think we should think is a good football team. Casual CFL fans are gonna freak out yeah. when they see the score line, I think. Yeah, the hardcores oh, yeah. are gonna be like, okay, they got better. That's to be expected with the casuals are gonna be like, What? You know? <laughs> but um yeah, uh for Toronto follow up here, who do you guys think is the new addition, like the new to the CFL guy, the big name that uh, actually does something with them this year? Uh, Martavius Bryant, if he gets over the border. <laughs> That's a pretty <laughs> big <laughs> if at this point. He ain't coming. If he's yeah, not he's here not, yet, he ain't coming. He, Come on. No, I, yeah. <laughs> but you said new guys, though, Mike? Yeah, new guys to the CFL. Oh, see, that's tough. Shane Bay? Yeah, I don't know a lot of the new to the CFL guys on their team, but I'll just say, like, I I think Cam Judge is going to have the biggest impact on defense on that team out of the new guys. Oh, that's, yeah, I mean, yeah, that's a I'm no-brainer. I agree. Cameron Judge is elite, you know? Um, yeah, I mean, when it comes to these new players, that's you and that's uh, James's domain. That's not me. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, he and I like to do scouting, so it's like yeah, that that's one of our side hustles there. Like Mason Fine, who the Riders got, he's a dude that's been known in CFL scouting circles for a long time. Is like this is the perfect CFL quarterback we are seeing right now in college, and I, I'm shocked the Riders got him because we got Cody, but I I'm happy we got him, you know. So, um, for me. I'm thinking it's Kendall Wright who is in camp. He, I think he was a thousand yard receiver with the Bears, but he was an excellent player in the NFL. And then I think his career it got plagued by injury or something that just stopped him from going any further. But yeah, he's a guy who is productive in the NFL. I think he would be a nice, uh, could be a nice player in the CFL for me. And I think. Of the new additions, because Shane Ray and Sean Oakman are going to have to fight for time with Hughes and Law, and that's going to be difficult, whereas uh, Kendall Wright, I think he has less competition in that American receiver spot, so I feel like he's probably the guy that's going to make the biggest impact of the new big names. Hmm. If he gets there, yeah, that'll be the thing, right? I think Kendall Wright is there. It's Martavius Bryant that's having issues, isn't it? Or are they both not there? Hmm. Wright's been on the suspended list since July 10th, it says here. Oh, no! Yeah. Oh, <laughs> both so, of them are and, gone! No! And by, I mean, 
you got to crack Tavares Daniels, Eric Rogers, and the Canadians. They are loaded. Like Toronto potentially oh, yeah. loaded at receiver if one of these guys gets there. Yeah. But it at this point, now you couldn't be even if you are quarantining, you won't be there for week one. That's that's hard. Yeah, like I know Dimwood, he said he was getting impatient with Brian. I don't know if he said anything about right. Uh paperwork issues do happen. So I hope these guys actually are trying to get up here, but if they aren't, that sucks, and we'll probably know if they decide to cut them or keep them on the suspended list. Uh, and then speaking of Juwan Breskinson as well, who do you guys think is the best Canadian wide receiver in the league? That's a that's a debate. I feel like that could be interesting. Uh, Lamar Durant. I think yeah, he's Canadian, right? Yep, Lamar no. Durant's Canadian. Yeah. yeah, that's my pick. Yep. I'll throw out Tavon Smith and Edmonton as a guy who I think is going to have a big year. And Carter, who I, do you think it is? I, I blanked, so I tried to look up Canadian wide receivers, and it just gave me a list of just everybody. So, <laughs> yeah. so that's like that's Lamar, Herji, Mayala, Dembski, Lenius, Tavon uh, mm. uh, Smith, uh, Mike Jones. No, um, Ottawa. Come on, Peterman, uh, Wolitarski. <laughs> Um, I liked, I liked Dembski from last year. Again, Homer showing, don't care. Um, <laughs> but I think Dembski was really strong, even back when he was on Saskatchewan. And I think that he is one of the strongest in the league when he's able to go out there and do his thing. I'm Sorry. curious with Dembski this year, because Lapo used him in so many cool ways, right? Yeah. Like he, he had the second most slot back runs of, of anybody, uh, this past season. Will, will Buck Pierce do that same thing? Because that guy is, Jason Moss likes to use the word multiple. Nick Dembski is multiple. Hey, why not utilize yeah. him in every other way? And it's not like you're going to be playing against uh, Mike O'Shea, or not Mike O'Shea, not like you're going to be playing against uh, Lapo this year. Mm. Yeah. I cannot, cannot believe that. Who did that, that on I'm, the schedule? We need to find I'm that guy and ask him. so mad about that. What is it? Three games against Edmonton and none versus Ottawa? Just yeah, and, Great Cup and, champs. And yeah. Like, it's like, it's like, come on. Like, and I got, know even Bomber fans are going to be mad at me for saying this, but Matt Nichols should have, he should have played in Winnipeg so they could have done a ring presentation to him with the Bomber fans there because Matt Nichols deserves so much more credit for that championship year than he had, than he's gotten. Would they write game manager on his ring, though? I mean, they wrote game manager on a hat and sold it when they won the championship. That's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like that. I, I will give props like, to the bottom like, and, and And Nichols openly wore it, and he was like, yeah, call me it, and I've got the ring, so. Yeah. Uh, you're the seventh best quarterback in the CFL. Congrats, Matt. Here's your ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Well, people forget how, uh, how good he was at the beginning of the year last year. Oh, 15 touchdowns and five picks is nothing to sneeze at. Let's not, let's not kid ourselves. They were that was a good offense. Sure, yeah. Um for me, the best Canadian wide receiver. I'm really high. I've been high on Juwan Breskinson since his draft year. So and he was balling at the start of 2019 in Calgary. So I think he carries that momentum over to Toronto, but I guess we'll have to see. Uh Let's go to our last game. Uh, as DT would say, guaranteed win night for the Elks. Um, is this game going to tell us how bad Ottawa is or how good the Elks are? 
it, it's going to show you how good the Elks are. It's going to be their coming out party. It's their new jerseys, new helmets, new logo, new players, new atmosphere, new environment. It's yeah, it's it's going to show you how good they are, and I think they're going to put on a good show for the league to watch. Yeah, it's uh, it's funny. Most years, you know, offensive coordinator from the championship team and quarterback from a championship team go to a different team. Normally, that's the story. Not even close to the story in this game. This is all about Edmonton. Well, and Elizondo against the team that he left, he's he's going to lay a beat down on them. Oh, it's going to be. Oh, it, it, yeah. I'm, I'm with you guys. It's, Edmund, it's the Edmonton show. Yeah, I'm kind of with you guys. I think the Elks are just going to mercilessly beat down the Red Blacks, um, especially with what DT was talking about, how he departed. I feel like he's going to show no mercy. Like, there's no putting Edmonton backups in it. He's going to go full tilt starters the whole game, and it's just going to be brutal. So, I think that's all we have to say on those games. I'm just trying to think, is there anything else we should probably ask about that game? No. <laughs> no, we need to skip. It's guaranteed win night. Let's move on. show. Yep. Uh, so, let's go to COVID activities. Uh, some people may be wondering, huh, what's that? For us, when kind of all the lockdowns started and there wasn't a ton of CFL stuff to talk about, this is our segment where we tell you guys what we're doing outside of this podcast and outside of the CFL so you can get, get a bit of a better idea of who we are and what we're into. So, for example, Carter and I will recommend a lot of video game and internet stuff. Taylor, it's always working and then something else. Kind of an, another inside joke, but yeah. <laughs> so I'll start with my COVID activities. I'm gonna recommend these two shows: uh, Invincible, which is a superhero show that's also on Amazon Prime, sort of like The Boys. Uh, very similar shows. Um, Invincible it more or less revolves around a kid superhero whereas the boys they're trying to take down big superheroes um but i i never do good enough descriptions for these but if you liked my boys recommendation which i know some people did check out invincible it's awesome and then the strain is if you like the walking dead that kind of show um this is a similar show that doesn't wear out its welcome uh, kind of like The Walking Dead did, but that's a topic for another day. Um, four seasons. Uh, it's about a pandemic that turns people into vampires, and this epidemiologist with the CDC and kind of a group of people are working to stop it. It's a excellent show, very bingeable on Disney Plus. Highly recommend. Nice. Well, uh, mine's been kind of sad lately. Uh, well, uh, I've been forced to go back to the office, so I'm not as home as, as much. So that's just not as fun. But uh, I, I've uh, recently finished The Sopranos and Loki finished. So I've, I'm just kind of stuck in this like this place where I don't know what to watch. So I've just been watching a lot of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia because Danny DeVito's great and Charlie Day and. Rob McElhenney, they're all great. And yeah, it's a, a hilarious show if you haven't watched it. So watch it for some laughs. Um, for me, I am going Lucifer. It is such a good show. It's on Netflix. It is about 
the devil, who obviously cast down to hell, and he decides, you know what, I'm sick of it, goes to Earth, finds a detective, and they go and solve crimes. It sounds like a dumb cartoon. It's a really good show. And then as well as that, I've got Dimension 20. And what that is, is it is an also a show, but this one's online with us. Uh, it's with a subscription service called Dropout, which is done by a group called College Humor. And it's kind of like Critical Role, as in it's Dungeons and Dragons, and it's got a ton of production value behind it. And you watch the group sort of play through the story and it all develops. And it's really interesting, at least to me. I like it. I like it. Uh, for me, uh, the number one show of COVID, I was thankful to get it. The first week, they sent the first three episodes. Uh, it, Ted Lasso on Apple TV Plus is just unbelievable. Uh, it's it's nice without, Ted's nice without being a total pushover. Uh, they do character development that other series would just throw it away. Like, oh, here's the social, the girl who's sort of famous for being on social media would be a throwaway character, but she's an, an integral part of keeping this team together. There's the whole fish out of water element and actors you have no, I have no idea who most of them were, but now I'm, I'm going to love them forever. Uh, 20 Emmy nominations, deservedly so. Ted Lasso, the COVID activity I am most fond of. That's awesome. A good show. Yeah, I might have to watch that. I'll find a way to. I don't have Apple TV, but I I'll figure it out. Um, Send you a link. <laughs> Thanks, bro. <laughs> yeah, that that that's how I had to finish Criminal Minds because I know that was an earlier recommendation of mine. Um, they only had twelve seasons on Disney, so like, all right, gotta find a only link. Twelve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, only twelve, but hey, I I love true crime, so I burned through that so fast. Um, what was another one? Uh, oh, I have Crave for a little bit. Um, so does anybody have any recommended shows on Crave I should watch? The Sopranos. Yeah, Sopranos, Entourage, <laughs> yeah. anything from HBO. Oh, uh, yeah. watch Hacks. Watch Hacks on Crave. It's yeah, it's it's um, a woman comedian. I her name eludes me right now, but she gets a young gal to to write for her, and there's the old versus young, the the cool versus uh, you know less cool. It's it's really good comedy. I enjoy hacks quite a bit off Crave. All right, I'll have to take a look at that. And then, yeah, I think that wraps up the show. Um, it was awesome having you on. Thanks for being here, Derek Taylor. We'll have to do this again sometime. That sounds good. I always enjoy talking football. With, for so long, we didn't get to talk football. And I didn't get to think about Tim, Tim Flanders' flowing red dreadlocks, but Ooh. I got to think about those again. <laughs> hey, oh, it's going yeah. to look clean with the red, black, unis. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah. I'm here for it, man. And then... Love it, yeah. No. yeah go ahead. I was say, I appreciate you guys having me. Oh, Where's... yeah. No oh, problem. Thanks for you coming. Labor Day special, maybe. Oh, hell yeah. <laughs> I'd be down for that. But, um... Yeah, that's the show. Um, you can find us on social media. Our socials are Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, just search True North Canadian Football Podcast. You'll find us. You can find the show on uh, YouTube, SoundCloud, Spotify, and now Apple Podcasts. So uh, stay tuned for all your fantasy news, your updates on news, and coverage of games um 
As usual, I am your host, Jimmy Leach. This is the True North Canadian Football Podcast signing off.